0: Hey guys, my name is Knox Hager and I'm here to get baptized because I believe in Jesus and I asked him into my heart and I think he's the best person ever to exist and I believe that he died on the cross for
1: all, all of us. Hey, my name is Chloe Eckert. I'm 16 years old and I'm getting baptized today to publicly profess my faith in Jesus. Here recently I've been kind of questioning my faith because I got saved when I was little and I wasn't really 100% sure and then after studying my Bible more and more and then after the sermon on Sunday right before Communion, the Lord affirmed it to me that I was saved and that I was a child of God and my heart was pitter pattering really fast so I knew 100% that I was saved and I am a child of God. So I'm getting baptized today to take that next step in obedience to following the
2: Good morning. Were those not two really good testimonies of the Lord's grace this morning? Knox said, let's get this going. So he said, when are we starting this thing? So uh, Knox said, Jesus Christ is the greatest person ever. Is that not a blessing? And I appreciate this young man. He's super smart. He told me that he he had prayed uh, some time ago to ask Jesus Christ to save him. And um, he come on his own volition to be baptized. So I'm very happy for him and proud of him. had the privilege of officiating his mom and dad's uh, wedding last week. And uh, Knox, before I baptize you, let me ask you two questions. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Right, you grab your wrist. Knox, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. We have Chloe Eckert. And uh, was that not a blessing? And I, w- I would tell any of you this. Listen, if you, have, if you have doubts about your salvation, why not just settle it? Just go ahead and settle it. And uh, Chloe uh, is just a tremendous example of what we should do if we have doubts in our salvation. And I'm honored to baptize you this morning. And Chloe, I'll ask you two questions. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Chloe, because of your profession of faith... In Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk and lead us life. Let me pray for us, okay? Fathers, we come to you in prayer. I want to thank you so much for Knox and for Chloe. Lord, I want to thank you for their families. Uh, Lord, I've known these folks for a long time, so Lord, I rejoice with them. Lord, what an honor it is to baptize. Uh, Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, that, Lord, before the service is over, Father, whether they come forward or not, it doesn't matter, but, Lord, in their heart, they've they made peace with Jesus. Father, there's nothing more important than that, and, Father, I want to thank you that, Lord, the last two years, we've baptized about 44 people. What a blessing it is, and I pray that we'd never stop sharing the gospel. It's the only hope that we have, and, Father, we just want to tell you that we love you today. In Jesus' name, I pray, and all the God's people to say together, Thank
3: I'm going to use number five in case this one decides not to work this morning. Well, good morning. Welcome to East Taylorsville. Uh, if you're joining with us, when you leave today, you can go outside these back doors here, and there's a little gift bag there where you can grab some information about our church. I um, just want to say, Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, we had a just an awesome time of prayer in the co-ed six room downstairs, and we just took some time, and we prayed for our students, and the adults just walked around and prayed for them, had ice cream after, and... Uh, I just want you to know it was a sweet time with our church, and school does start tomorrow. So with that in mind, I wanted to read one verse to you. It's Colossians 3.12. It says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, who are holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And so, as we go back to school, uh, teachers, staff, bus drivers, students... We have an awesome opportunity to put on these things, to have a compassionate heart, to be kind, to be humble, to show meekness and to have patience with one another. And so uh, I just want to remind you of that as we go back in and uh, get back into the grind of school that uh, we're called to be different. And we have a great opportunity uh, to be different and to lead others to the Lord um, through Putting on these things. And so we'll come back to this, I'm sure, during our prayer time this morning and have a time of prayer for our students and for our staff and maybe for those who had lost jobs over the weekend as well. So um, we'll come back to that in just a few minutes. But right now, we want to stand up uh, and greet one another and we want to go to the Lord and worship through song in just a second.
1: We go to the Lord in prayer. And we'll ask you to remain standing, and uh, just a few things to mention before I invite you to come. If you want to come around the altar and pray, uh, we need to remember so many in our congregation. There's so many right now that are dealing with illness, sickness. They're battling cancer. You can see in your bulletin a long list of folks for uh, with a lot of different needs, and uh, we just need to lift all of them up. And many of you know those needs, and some of you, you're not in the bulletin, but you know exactly where your struggle is, where your need is. So we want to lift up all those needs today in prayer. We also want to pray for those that are going back to school tomorrow. Teachers have already been back in the classroom. Students are there tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of fear, anxiety, and excitement, and that's just for parents. So we need to pray for parents. We need to pray for our students. Pray for our administration and leadership. It's such a huge task, and we are blessed in Alexander County with such a great school system. And um, we just want to pray for all those going back and at Millersville and uh, many of you that are homeschooling. We don't think about you, but there's so much need. My sister homeschools, so I know the stress and anxiety that goes along with that. So we want to lift that up as well. And then for also we want to pray for those in our church and those in our community that, as everyone mostly knows now, will be impacted by the closing of Mitchell Gold. And along with that, there's, again, anxiety, stress. There's even anger, fear, uncertainty. So there's so much that we need to lift up. And I'm just curious, how many of you either directly by working there or you know a friend or have family that works at Mitchell Gold? Just raise your hand. If you've got people, there's a lot that's going to be impacted. So we would need to lift that up in prayer as well. Listen to Isaiah 26 because I think it just reminds us where, wherever we're at this morning what we need. Verse 3 of Isaiah 26, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is is the eternal rock no matter what happens around you no matter what storm may blow storms may blow he is our rock and he is the one where we find peace and he is the one we look to so as we go to the lord in prayer we're going to invite you if you just want to come and kneel around the altar if you feel led or you can pray where you're at as our praise teams lead us right now if you would make move and let's begin to pray Father, we are so grateful that you are our eternal rock. Lord, there is nothing promised in this fallen world. There is so much uncertainty. Lord, it is only by our keeping our eyes on you, reminding ourselves of your promises, and keeping our eyes on you, Lord, that we can navigate, that we can be sustained during difficult times. Lord, this morning, um, as a congregation, Lord, we lift up all the needs. For those that are struggling right now with illness and sickness and the battles that they face, God, I pray that you would touch and intervene, Lord, as you see fit, if it's your will that you bring perfect healing, but Lord, you work in the ways that you see fit, and we'll trust you in that, and pray that your name would be glorified and faith would be strengthened during those difficult times. Lord, we pray for all those going back to school, all of our students tomorrow. As a congregation, just lift them up right now. Pray for our students. Pray for our parents. Pray for our teachers and ministration. Lord, we pray for protection. We pray for you to work in lives. Lord, we pray for truth to be taught. Lord, that lives would be lives would be silenced. And Lord, that this would be the best place they can be. Lord, that you would use so many of our teachers who are believers to love the students that are hurting. For our own students, help them to see this as a mission field, to reach out to those in need. But Lord, through it all, we pray that you would meet every need that is there Lord we also pray for those impacted by the closing of Mitchell Gold Lord such a shock for so many Lord nothing catches you off guard and we trust that you are already working to open up other doors to close doors Lord we find our hope in you Lord you are more than able to provide Lord what we can't even imagine sometimes so God we trust in you we renew that in you today and pray that you would give your perfect peace as we look to you And Lord, in this service, may you be honored and glorified. And as a church, may we be seeking to honor you and be about your business, what you've called us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: journey through grief was certainly much more difficult than what I ever imagined. There were times I just could not concentrate
4: on things.
1: There's days I wake up and I don't want to do
4: anything. It's just devastating. The grief that happens after the death of a loved one can leave you feeling confused, lost, and alone without a roadmap. But other people have traveled this grief journey before you, and there is hope and a way forward grief share is a proven video based support group that connects you with others who are traveling the grief journey you're on right now grief share is a place where you can be as raw and as ugly as you want to be and it's okay
3: i joined them online and it was great
4: it was wonderful Each weekly grief share session consists of an insightful video with grief experts and testimonials, a small group discussion, and encouraging workbook exercises. You'll also receive free online resources and tools that help you move forward in hope and healing.
1: I gained so much more than just understanding of grief. And I think I saw it from a bigger picture too.
4: Visit griefshare.org to learn more.
2: Thank you. I just want to make this uh, announcement about Grief Share. Our church is starting the grief group ministry. They'll be led by Aaron Davis and Sharon Absher. The meetings will start September the 6th at 10 a.m. in the middle school boys' Sunday school room. You can register by calling the church office or by going online and finding East Tellers' group on griefshare.com. It's a 13-week uh, group for those grieving and loss of a loved one. It is an opportunity to be around people who understand uh, what you're going through. As you know, we've had many, many uh, funerals here at East Hills of Baptist Church. Uh, it's not unusual to have over 20 a year. Um, there are many widows and widowers. We've been asked about a grief group, and I want to thank Aaron Davis and Sharon Absher for checking into this and for leading this. So if you're interested in that, you can call the church office or go to griefshare.com and and find the East Hazel Baptist Church Group. A little housekeeping I need to mention this morning. Uh, we have a business meeting as soon as the service is over. This is our uh, kind of the end of the year, beginning of the year uh, business meeting. We'll vote on the budget. We'll vote on our nominate committee report. And we'll also vote on deacons. If you're a visitor, feel free to leave. Um, we'll do it really quick. Our, my goal is to have that business meeting done in five minutes, okay? So that's, that's a, isn't that a blessing? That's a blessing. Uh Typically, I go verse by verse through the Bible. I've been going through 1 Peter for probably about four months. Uh, we'll, we'll start back, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, not next week, but the next. Next week, I'm going to preach on church membership. We're basically going to have a class 101 on Sunday morning today, and I'm going to try to do this every year. I'm going to talk about, if you'll show the slide, giving at East Tailsville. I very rarely ever preach on giving. I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to preach on giving. It should just be a giving. Okay, And I'm going to talk to you about giving and what happens, where your money goes, and all those things, because we are going to vote on a budget. So if you have your Bible, stand with me and turn to Luke chapter 12. Notice what Jesus says in verse 15, then he goes into a parable. And this parable should strike us all to the core. It says, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Your stuff does not impress God. It just doesn't. It might impress you. It might impress your neighbors. It does not impress God one bit. Your education, and I thank God for it, does not impress God. It does not. Okay? Your generosity and your love for others does. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, Now everybody listen. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. Every Old Testament Jew understood you're dependent every year on God to send rain or you don't have a crop. You are? That's why God said, you give me 10% of your grain, or I won't send rain next year. That's what he told him. He said, if you're going to rob me, I won't, I, won't, I won't make it rain. Your crops will die. Your cows will die. God said, give me the first. This man, now understand, every Jewish person would have understood this. This man was blessed by God, whether he was a Christian or not. Notice again, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. My grandfather always used to tell me, he had a big garden. We're so dependent on God to send rain. You can have the best seed in the world. If it don't rain, no good, right? You're not going to have hay if it don't rain. Okay? Notice, he said it yielded plentiful. Then he thought within himself. Now now listen, be careful how you talk to yourself. He thought within himself. And he says this. What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? You're talking about a blessed man. I don't got any room to put this stuff. What am I going to do? He's having a conversation with himself. So he said, I'll do this, and I'll put down my barns and build greater. And there I'll store my crops and my goods. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to build bigger barns. He had bigger barn syndrome. I just built a bigger barn. That seems wise. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like the guy's got a good life, don't he? He said, I'm just going to build bigger barns. And I'm just going to love life. I'm going to look at my crops and look at my stuff in the barn up there. Man, what a nice barn. What a life, isn't it? I mean, does, do you not think God has more for your life than that? Do you not think God has more in store for your life than just having a bigger barn? I ask myself that question every week when I tithe to this church. God, you can take this and use it more than I could do with it if I kept it. He says, look at my barns. I've been blessed by God. I'm just going to build more barns. Now notice. But God said to him. Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be. Which you have provided. So is he who lays up treasures for himself. And is not rich toward God. I hope I'm not looking at fools this morning. I hope I'm. I've been a fool. I've been a Christian fool. Okay. God said this, fool, tonight you're dying. Who are you going to leave your stuff to? What kind of investments have you made for eternity? Those are hard questions to ask. God has blessed you. Look at where you started and where you are now. God has blessed you. And God would say to you, don't be a fool. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I don't like preaching on giving. I don't. Lord, I'm thankful I can give, though. Lord, thank you for how you bless blessed my life. Lord, thank you for how you bless this church. Lord, we're a blessed church. We are. Lord, help us always to be good stewards. But Father, more importantly than all that, Lord, I pray that there's not one person in here today who's relying on their righteousness and their good works and their smarts and their education and their money to get them to heaven. It's not going to work. Everyone's soul one day will be required. Lord, you have a day for Jamie Steele. There's a day out there that I cannot avoid. I can't. And it may be today. But Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, that Lord, today would be their day of salvation. Lord, help us as a church to be mature enough to make financial investments for God's glory. Help us to, 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 to accomplish, do our part in accomplishing the Great Commission. Lord, and unfortunately today... Lord, it takes a lot of money sometimes to do that. So, Lord, I'm, I'm a little awkward preaching on giving. Don't like to do it. But, Lord, I know that this is, this is part of, of being alive. It's part of obedience. Lord, it's a part of obedience to being a Christian just like baptism is. And, Father, we just pray that you be honored and glorified through all that's said and done. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Listen to this. To not speak about finances is like taking a penknife and cutting out the heart of scriptures. The word baptism, and we had a baptism this morning, is mentioned 40 times in the Bible. And the Bible says this. This is the mode of baptism. If you're born again, then you're baptized. Okay? So if you're born again and you're not being baptized, I would encourage you to contact me or contact the church office. And I'll talk about baptism again uh, next week. The word prayer is mentioned 275 times. The word faith, 350 times. The word love, 650 times. But there are 2,350 verses that talk about finances, offerings, tithes, and material blessings. Listen, one man said this. God made all of this creation to give. He made the moon to give. The sun and the stars to give. The clouds, the earth, the plants to give. He also designed His supreme creation man to give. Stephen Cole talking about the uh, spiritual importance of giving. He says, giving is one of the most fail-proof litmus tests for your relationship to God, on more than one occasion, Jesus linked a person's giving to eternal life. Remember Zacchaeus, the, the wealthy tax collector, he got right with God, he got saved, and this is what he said, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. He said, if I defrauded these people, and he did, I'll just pay them back. Jesus went to the rich young ruler. And he he says this, he says to the rich young ruler, he says, one thing you lack, the rich young ruler was giving Jesus his resume, and I'll tell you this, be careful about giving Jesus your spiritual resume. You're going to be embarrassed bad. Jesus said this to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But the man went away grieved. Why would Jesus tell him to give his stuff away he never told anybody else? Because that was the man's idol. And then Jesus says this, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God because they literally rely on themselves. Notice this verse on the screen. Jesus said this to this man, but God said to him, fool. Look at that word fool. That word fool is from the Greek word. It means you mindless, ignorant, destitute of knowledge and truth. You fool. Here's why. Even Solomon said it. Most scholars believe Solomon was probably the richest man to ever live. And this is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 2.8. We all need to understand this. Thus, Solomon says, I hated all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun for I must leave it to the man who will come after me. You're leaving your stuff to somebody else. Isn't that a blessing? I built my house in 2001. We subbed out just a few things. Okay, The brickwork, uh, some of the sheetrock, electrical, some of that stuff. We built the rest of it. That's my house. It's almost paid for. If you'd like to contribute, 648 Shook Lane, we'll talk about it, right? But guess what? That house is going to be left to somebody else. That house is going to be left to somebody else. I live on Shook Lane. I love that place. I'm not moving anywhere else. Everybody's homes I pass every day, I'm going to leave it to somebody else. Solomon said this. He says, thus I hated all the fruit of my labor. He says, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Now listen, listen to me, adults, with your will. He said, and who knows whether he'll be a wise man or a fool. Who are you leaving your stuff to? Yet he will have control over all the fruit of, of my labor for which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. psalmist says, it just, it just blows my mind that I've worked so hard. God has blessed me so much. And all this stuff, if I die tonight, I'm giving it to somebody else. I hope he's not a fool. Be careful who you leave your stuff to, right? Be careful who you leave your stuff to. It, it reminded me of the story of this husband and wife, and I probably shared this with you before. They shared separate bank accounts. She barely got by. He wasn't the best husband. He had a lot of money. and This is what he said in his will. I want all my money in my casket. You better make sure I get all my money in my casket. The lawyer told her, said, you got to put his money in his casket. He had a closed casket service. And that lady, that sweet, godly woman, smart woman, listen to me, ladies. Her friend went to her and said, did you put the money in the casket? She said, I sure did. She said, How'd you get money in the casket? She said, I wrote him a check. So you gotta be smart. <laughs> all right? You gotta be smart. Listen to what Colonel Sanders said. Listen to what Colonel Sanders said. He said, there's no reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. Is your plotting different? No, your headstone might be, but is your plotting different? He said, There's no reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. You can't do business from there. When you die, make an investment. I remember Mark Court saying this. He was a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Winston. They ran about 3000 when I met him. He says, you know what? He says, my, my boys, I think he had two boys, are so successful. He said, they don't need my money. He said, what am I going to give? He said, they don't need my money. So he, he showed us pastors how he had left his will and he had put things, spiritually speaking, he says, when I die, I want to leave a legacy, not just something from a family to fight over. Everybody's situation is different. I'm not telling you to do that. That was his conviction. Now think about this. Why should I give? Notice these three facts about giving. Look, everything we own belongs to God. Do you believe that? My grandpa used to say, this tractor is God's. If my neighbor needs help, this tractor is God's. Right? I remember when I I became a student pastor, uh, Renee and I bought a minivan, a Ford minivan, used. And if you buy a Ford Minivan, that means you don't got a lot of years left in it, okay? And I said, the years I got left in this thing, God, I'm going to use it for Your glory. As a student pastor, played basketball every Wednesday night, all right? And I told all them young boys, listen to me, who didn't have parents, that brought them to church, who didn't care. I said, I'll take you home. I said every Wednesday night I'll take you home. I don't care. We was taking them to Vash tie, hid Night. Wittenberg, Bethlehem. I was like a bus route on Wednesday night. I said, you better tell your mom you ain't getting home till 12 o'clock. Just, you're just not. Okay? Do you know how many times I got pulled over? Oh, a bunch. After fifth quarter, i take everybody home. Oh, i get pulled all the time. I remember, remember I had a cell phone. I had the, the antenna on it. My brother-in-law called and said, they're pulling you again. I said, get down. I tell the boys, get down. They're ten up in the van, right? I get this. Now, this is how youth are. Guy comes up. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. Oh, what What are you doing? I said, well, I'm taking some boys home. I said, guys, be, I told them, I said, be quiet. This is kind of illegal what we're doing in this van, right? Guy comes up, new guy. Oh, you're Jamie Steele. Yeah, I'm Jamie Steele. I'm youth pastor, blah, blah, blah. I throwed the preacher card on him. Yeah, you look good, man. You lost weight? Yeah, things are good. He says, how many you got in the van? No, true story. One of my youths looked up and said, we got 10 in here. I said, will you <laughs> shut up? What are you doing? Get me arrested? But you know what I said to myself? This van is God's. This old van, I said, God, if, you, if this van blows up tomorrow, I can't take nobody home. And somehow that old van kept running. It just kept running. I said, God, this van, this Ford van, right? I don't have much time left. I said, it sure is. Everything you have belongs to God. Paul said this. He said, I'm a steward. Listen to what he says. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Peter put it this way, as each one has received a gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You're a steward of your spiritual gifts, and you're a steward of your finances. See, giving is an act of worship. When I give here, to me, it's an act of worship. It is. For me, it is. I give 10% plus as an act of worship. When God first saved me, I was a student at CVCC. I worked part-time at Tells of my, my net each week was 50 bucks. I gave Millersville Baptist Church $5. That was my, that was my uh, standard that I had. Okay? And that was an act of worship to me. And that $5, God looked at it just as good as he does what I give now. Oh, yeah. It's just an act of obedience. The lowest standard for me and my house has always been 10%. True Cathy said this. He was here in 2004. Okay? Chick-fil-A had made, I don't know, $5 billion that year. They're a lot bigger now. He said this. He he told us this. We 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 were outside on those steps, and he said this, guys, give according to your income. Now, he's a giver. Give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. See, that's the spiritual discipline between you and the Lord. And our primary giving should be to the local church. It shouldn't be to David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley Ministries, it shouldn't be to Samaritan's Purse. You can do all that later. It shouldn't be to this, that, or the other. It shouldn't be to Joyce Meyer, Joel Stein. Amen. All God's people said, amen. All right. You're, wherever you go to church is where you should give. That's where you should give. If you want to give anything after that, that's fine. And our primary giving should be at our local church. And I'm going to ask Kevin to come, if you will come real quickly, Kevin. Kevin's our executive pastor. He handles finances here. And he's going to give you a little explanation of what happens when you give here.
1: All right, let me make sure I got the right mic here. One of my primary responsibilities as executive pastor is to oversee finances here at the church. Um, In a climate where from time to time you'll hear news reports of this happening at this church or this church and there's been embezzlement. Um, Thankfully, we've got steps that have been put in place through the years to really oversee that and give us accountability. But uh, first thing is, what does happen when I give? Well, first thing is this. We have three ways, primary ways, people give here at East Tales of Baptist Church that you participate in. The primary way is you give in person. When you come, you put it in the plate or the basket in the Jennings building. That goes directly then to our count room. If you see somebody taking money out of the basket, they're not making change. They're taking it to the count room. And there in the count room... It is, uh, I'll explain that in just a second. But you give by, in person, you also can give by mail. What amazes me is every week in the mail, we receive envelopes that has the tithe offering. Many of those are, are shut-ins. They are either not able to be at the service, or that's just the way they've chosen to give. But they faithfully, our the older generation of this church who, who was a part of raising me here, they are faithful. And I know they sacrifice, and it's such a blessing. But many give by mail. And then also we have the online giving option, or you may give through the the phone app. And this has proved to be a blessing from, we implemented it before COVID hit, and then COVID hit, and it was really a blessing. And uh, this past year, um, 24% of your total giving was given online. So there's been a gradual shift. So many of you don't have checks. (laughs) One of our senior adults, when we first started this, he said, "Um, this is the only check I write to the church. So he was thankful that he could do that online. 24% this past year, but what happens when you give? When you put your offering in the plate, just so you know as a congregation what takes place. The first thing is it is received in the basket or offering, then it's taken directly to the count room. In the count room, and there's a picture there, I don't know if you can see it, we have a security camera in there. Um, We have uh, one of our count teams is in place, they receive the offering and then they check it, they double check it, they run two tickets to make sure they match up with all the checks and cash. And then any designations are written down. If you decide you wanted to give extra to uh, Christmas and Teaville, you can make a note on your offering envelope, and they try to record all that correctly. Then the deposit is prepared, and it is sealed uh, in a bank bag. Uh, and then it has two people that take it to the bank with a police escort, so it can't be tampered with. If it, if it is, if that bag's been ripped open, the bank will report that to us. And then, uh, so that's taken to the bank, dropped off Monday and Tuesday. Tracy records those envelopes, double-checks especially individual um, designations. And uh, then we compare the designations to the count sheet. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, I add what's been given online as it cleared the bank. And then you get a report every week in your bulletin. If you'd ever understood why is all this laid out like it is, we report to you. So if you happen to give a designation to a certain ministry and you don't see it on there, you can call us. And we'll make sure it gets in the right place. So there's several steps, a lot of steps in place. Because it matters what, how your giving is handled. It should be private. It should be between you and the Lord. And you should have confidence to know that our process is above board. And over the years, like I said, checks and balances have been put in place to protect our church giving. And as a part of those checks and balances, every year, two to three times a year, I meet with our budget and finance. One of those meetings is specifically to do an internal audit. We make sure all the checks are accounted for. We review spending. We check credit card statements. All that stuff is accounted for every fall. And so uh, a lot of time and effort is put into place. And I hope that you know that it is taken care of and we have integrity in what happens here. The other question I think maybe even more important is what impact does my giving have at East Well, Jamie will often say when you give to the budget or when you give your tithe, you're a part of a lot of different ministries. This is an image of the budget uh, that's being recommended today of the missions and evangelism uh, part of our budget. And if you look at that, you see highlighted areas of ministry there, and those are simply represented by, those represent the ministries that we write a check every month to, and we send monthly support where we take that budgeted item, and we guarantee or promise to all these ministries, we're going to support you throughout the year. So when you do tithe, If you see there the cooperative program, which Jamie will mention, you can know that you're a part of giving that when you tithe because we are promising $20,000 to the cooperative program that Baptists participate in. And then let's look at the next one. Uh, I've got first specifics because some people get confused on this. For instance, Finding Hope Ministries. We have as a church the past several years uh, voted to give $5,400 every year. And we divide that out 12 months. But as I write that check every month from East Tales Baptist Church from you, we give $450, and then I add in whatever you, in your offering envelopes, you say, I want to give extra to this. Or in July, we took up, in the coin challenge with VB, VBS, we took up a love offering uh, in July. So my check that I just wrote to Finding Hope Ministries to support that ministry was 40, $450 plus $6,793 from July. So this last check that we wrote as a church to them was $7,243. That's amazing. So know that when you give, you're supporting so many things in the budget. In missions and evangelism this year, we budgeted $129,600. But because of your faithfulness and generosity and your vision for ministry and missions, we actually gave $212,000. Above and beyond, I mean, that's that's amazing to me. So that's what you are a part of. Sometimes you may feel that your tithe isn't very much, but understand that together as a church body, as a family, we are able to make a huge difference locally and really internationally when it concerns ministry and missions. And then finally, uh, there's just a picture of our facility here, if you can see that. Um, Just a reminder that when you give, this is just the practical side of our giving, is we can turn the lights on. (laughs) We can pay the power bill. We can pay the insurance. This past past month, our bill was $4,000 that went to Duke Power because y'all use a lot of electricity here. But our giving makes sure that our facilities are ready for ministry when you walk in here week in and week out. This is your church home. This is our church home. It's where we gather. And we have bills and we have cleaning. We have 31 bathrooms here. Did y'all realize that? And Tim Warren has to clean everyone. Tim does. I don't know anybody that does any better. And I'm so thankful for Tim and his, his, uh, his business, what he does for our church. Maintenance issues, projects, improvements have to be done. All that takes place. And because of your faithfulness, we never fear. We, we know God always has provided. So when you give, here's my final thought. You are a part of something bigger than what you can see. Your giving impacts eternity. It changes lives. It builds his kingdom. And my prayer is that our giving and our stewardship of what is given will always honor our Lord and Savior and point others to him. That is ultimately why we are here, to know him and make him known. And when you give, I hope that you know that you are a part of that.
2: Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate the job that Kevin's done here. So you also know this, too, like um, we have two internal audits each year. We have budget finance uh, meetings each year. All the men that serve on those are deacons, and the Bible says it, and we're going to vote on deacons here in just a little while, that you should, you should nominate men that are good with money. They're not greedy and all these different things. So when you nominate them, they're on the counting team. I don't know what anybody gives here. Kevin and I worked together. You came here in 2006. Yeah, I don't know what he gives. None of my business. I don't know what you give, I know what I give, okay? The counting team counts the money, they rotate. Tracy will do, if, if you use a tithing envelope, Tracy will give you a tax statement. If you don't use a tithing envelope, you don't give nothing. We don't, we don't know. We don't, we don't put special preference on people who give and who don't. I don't know, okay? That's between you and the Lord. But I do know this, that when you give money here, uh, people are held accountable. There are good uh, checks and balances in place, and some of the things that happen at other churches can never happen here. It's just impossible. Notice, Michael, if you'll go to, the, go to the next slide, when you give your support in international missions, if you're not a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, okay, none of this applies to you. I wouldn't belong to a church that was not a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. It is the greatest mission-sending organization on the planet. It's 47,000 churches working together with over 14 million members, supporting 3,600 international missionaries. Okay? And when I say support international missionaries, their, their, their expenses are paid for, their travel is paid for, their vehicles are paid for, and they're held accountable on the field. They have people that will go to them and hold them accountable, just like I'm held accountable here by deacons and a paid personnel committee. Okay? Are you doing what we're asking you to do? Look, domestic missionaries here in North America, you're supporting 200 Or 2,220, we support six seminaries, that's 25,000 students, and they've been over 500 church plants. Notice the next slide, this is really important. If you'll notice, uh, last year overseas, because of your giving, 728,000 people heard the gospel. If your church is not part of the Southern Baptist Convention, your church is not part of that. Look, over 178,000 people overseas responded to Christ and over 100,000 followed through in Believer's Baptism. That was just last year. And when you give here and you give to Lottie Moon, 100% of that money goes to oversee missionaries. Just here in America, NAM has planted 10,000 churches since 2010. And 86% of these church plants have survived and become stable congregations. Now listen to this. The bulk of those new churches are non-white. Within a few years, there will be no majority ethnic group in the SBC because you give. That's amazing. Southern Baptists go where nobody else wants to go. Notice the next slide real quickly. On a, on a state level, you support the greatest disaster relief organization on the planet. Uh, Maui, you know who's going to be there? Samaritan's Purse, Red Cross, and uh, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. You know who's going to be there in, in five years? Southern Baptist. Nobody else is going to be there. You know who was at Katrina nine years later? Southern Baptist. Nobody else was there. When I went to Haiti after the earthquake, guess who, what you saw? You saw Samaritan's Purse uh, tarps and you saw Southern Baptist tarps. Nobody else. I was there. I was on the ground. Okay? So when you give, you're giving to that. Baptist children's homes, 23 locations. We heard that's just in North Carolina. Church planning, Baptist hospital. Listen to me. When you give to the Mother's Day offering, being, I go to Baptist almost weekly. And people tell me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, you tell them this. You tell them your pastor's Jamie Steele, and we give them Mother's Day offering. And you tell them, you tell them that you need help. Do you know, I know of three families this past year that had their medical bills totally taken care of because you give to this church and this church with a bunch of other churches give. Is that not a blessing? That's a blessing. If you're not part of something like North Carolina Baptist State Convention, you don't do that. Notice the next slide. Think about this on a local level. You support Forgiven Ministries. It's, it's a local ministry here, but that, that ministry is national. I've spoke with Scotty in her group. She's not here this morning because she's in a prison. You support Scotty goes to prisons because you don't want to. Right? You support the Christian Crisis Center. They'll, they'll support between 400 and 800 families a month. That's amazing in this county. You support Karen Hart's Pregnancy Center. I think they did, what, 50 ultrasounds last year, this past year, to help young girls with their pregnancies. And you support the Mobile Cafe, which helps so many people. All right? And we try to be good stewards of the money that God has given us. If you'll go to the next slide, Michael, we're about to close up. Before we get to that, I just want to tell you how, how, I, t- how I take this to heart when you give money. Uh, we, we uh, from time to time, will help people in the community, right? Our primary focus is to our members. And I remember we got a call, okay? the guy called, and he said, hey, uh, uh, he said, I need, uh, I need help with my rent, 200 bucks. said, wife and kids are sick, something, something, something. And I said, okay, that's not that much. So we just did him a check, right? I'm getting ready to go to Baptist, I think it was. The secretary of the time, two weeks later, calls me and says, Hey, there's a guy called. He says he needs uh, help with his rent. His wife's this and blah, blah, blah. I said, wait a minute. I think that guy's already called. I said, I think he's trying to scam the church. And then my detective mind got to working. I said, let's, let's get this guy. And I said, tell him to meet me at 4 o'clock here at the office. And I called the local sheriff's department and police department and said, There's a guy coming here, and he's trying to scam us, and if you're not here, you don't know what I might do to him, okay? Pray for me, all right? So what we did was, we had the speakerphone on the phone on. We're all in these back rooms, and I said, you got to get the guy's ID. So the guy come in, I said, you got your ID? He said, yeah. I got his ID, and I said, did you not call two weeks ago? He looked at me, I said, I'm pretty sure you called two weeks ago, right? I said, you had a lady call this time. They said, what? And I said, I'm pretty sure that's what you did. And I had his ID. And I said, your name is? And I said, I'm going to have these police officers to talk to. He says, I don't need your money. I said, it's too late now, brother. Do you realize that they scammed, I don't know, 35 churches? Oh, yeah. And, and when, they, when they arrested him, I got a picture of it. And God bless him. Pray for him. He told me he's sorry. You know, I told him, I said, look at me, boy. I said, there are people with cancer. They give money here. I said, There are people on their deathbed that tithe here. I said, I want you to think about that while you're in jail. And I said, I want the woman. I want her. I said, My mom was a single mom, she worked three jobs, and she's posing like her to get our money. And I told a local PD, I said, You can get that woman. You know they got her and she scammed more churches than him. They were a team. Friends, listen, you can you can rest assured that your money's used well here. And we're all accountable, amen. But think about this as we close. Jesus Christ is the greatest giver. Look, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Oh, that's rare. It's rare, you find, it's rare you find a righteous person. It's rare somebody says, I'll die for that person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize that Jesus Christ died in your place when you were at your worst? You know, when I'm in prison, I tell prisoners God knows all about you. He knows whether you're guilty or not guilty. And I says he knows the stuff that you don't tell nobody else. And he loves you immensely. Isn't that amazing? I think about who I was. I mean in the deep, dark recesses of my soul. And Jesus died in my place. And the Bible says that if I'll confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I'll be saved. Is that not amazing? Because God gave His Son. I'm going to ask you to stand with me real quickly with every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to give a long invitation. But if you're here today, listen, I'll tell you this. Just like I don't beg adults to to give, I'm not going to beg you to give your life to Jesus. I'm not going to do it. If the Holy Spirit has dealt with your heart, even in your pew right there, you don't have to come forward. You just say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. Jesus, today. Jesus, today. For the first time, I give my life to you. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And I'm placing my faith and trust in you. I was 20 years old when I did that. The hardest thing for me to do was say, yep, I'm guilty. For the first time in my life, I was honest with myself and with the Lord. And if that's you today, you quietly pray and ask the Lord to save you. Pray something like this. Jesus, today... I give my life to you. I surrender my life to the resurrected Christ. You're my only hope. Without your death and resurrection, there's no salvation. Without the shed blood of Jesus applied to my life, there is no salvation. And then, many families today make a commitment to be generous in your life, make investments. Jesus said to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven that have eternal value. And we'll thank you and praise you, Father, for what you do for us, and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say together, amen. Listen, we're going to go into a business meeting, so if you're a visitor and you'd like to leave, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to, to